Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Absolutely tremendous to be back here in Bromley. Um, This is a special place in our hearts. There are about uh, 14, 15 churches that I try to go to every year if they have me, and this happens to be one. Um, And so you can imagine out of the nearly 600 churches that there are in the country, to try and get to a number every year is quite difficult. Um, But God is doing something special. I really like what you're doing regarding prayer. Uh, Let me tell you, prayer really is the powerhouse. And did you know that today it cannot fail this morning because over 2,000 people are praying for you right now. If you follow me on Twitter, and I'm not looking for more people, but if you follow me on Twitter, it's a good thing to do simply because every uh, weekend, I'm, I'm booked up every single weekend this year, haven't got one free until, uh, except for, for holiday time, um, Uh, then I always put where I'm going to be and I simply do that and ask people that follow me on Twitter to pray a quick prayer for where I'm going to be. And there's about 2,000 people or or more, if you talk about couples, that actually know that I'm here this Sunday and are praying for us and praying for you. Isn't that exciting? I think that's good. That means that God is going to meet with us in a very, very special way. I'll bring greetings actually from my wife. Um, She's not with me today. She normally travels with me. Tomorrow she goes into hospital for a rather major operation. And just at Christmas, just just prior to Christmas, (coughs) she started to go for some tests. Never been to the doctors before in her life. And it it resulted in going for scans and all of this. And so tomorrow, um, although we hadn't let it be known until I think last week, I'm asking for as many people to pray as possible. It's a major operation that she's having. She's having half a bowel removed. And then uh, we'll have to see what the biopsies are of all of that. And you can imagine it's quite a, uh, an unusual period of time. But how many of you know that when you get good news or when you get bad news, God is still God? Yes. And although it's true to say that you can't help but have your mind filled with, with thoughts and prayers and, uh, you know, I'm going to not even be able to have, I'm not going to have any lunch with uh, <coughs> Mark and his wife today. I'm going to get straight back home uh, because she has to be in the hospital for 7.30 tomorrow morning. Um, nevertheless, it, it really, there's no fear. Uh, there's no apprehension. Emotionally, you wonder where you are. You, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those periods of time whereby you just have to uh, say, well, God, we can't understand this and explain this. But nevertheless, God is God. And so what I'm going to share with you this morning, I'm preaching from up here, but I'm sitting down there. So I almost want to hear my own message this morning. It's a message that I believe totally in. It's a message that actually, I may have shared some of this stuff before, but it's so relevant for today. And it's really talking about the God who is the I am, but it's when the I am uh, says, I will. And when there is a meeting of the I am who says, I will, I want to tell you, anything is possible. 
And so I don't care what your need is this morning. Uh, I suppose none of you are sitting on the edge of your seat as much as what I am right at this very, very moment of time as far as domestic and family situation. But I want to tell you that God is God and he wants to meet with us. Can someone say an amen? amen? Then Father, please come and present yourself with us. Cause your word to live, I pray, and glorify your son through the preached word in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. In Genesis chapter 17, if you turn there and the first verse, it says this. Now, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and he said to him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. God spoke and he said, I am the almighty God. Actually, what he said was, I am El Shaddai. I am the God that is all bountiful. I am the God, to put it into modern language, that is more than enough for whatever you have need of. I am the almighty God. The truth is that from Genesis to Revelation, God has always revealed himself as more than enough to meet every need. Can you remember when it was that Moses led the children of Israel out from Egypt? The baddies, they were chasing them behind, but they couldn't go forward because there was a Red Sea. They couldn't go to the left or the right because of the mountains. They were in a mess. In fact, there was no way out, apart from the fact that El Shaddai was with Moses. The Almighty God was with Moses. He said, lift up your rod. He lifted it up. And of course, the seas parted and they were able to walk through. That's the El Shaddai that spoke to Abraham. Can you imagine when Daniel was in the lion's den? I mean, these were hungry lions. These weren't any little pussycats. These were ready to absolutely eat him up. He had nowhere to run, nowhere to go. But El Shaddai was there. The Almighty God was there. The I Am was there. And of course the mouths of the lions were closed that day. And Daniel, of course, was saved. Uh, can you remember when a little lad strode into a valley to fight that great big Goliath? And of course nobody could beat him. He was too big, he was too tall, he was too strong. But the I Am, the El Shaddai was with that little boy. And when he slung that sling and that stone went, so it was that the giant fell down and David won that great battle. You turn over into the pages of the New Testament, it's the same God that's revealed. A God that when a little boy steps forward with some loaves and some fishes and there's that wonderful miracle, the feeding of the 20,000. You say, John, it's 5,000. No, 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 no. It says there were 5,000 men besides the women and children. And if most of those men had a wife and most of those wives had a few kids, it's quite possible it was 20 or 25,000 that were fed by a few little loaves and fishes. Why? Because El Shaddai was there. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And the almighty, all-bountiful God was present. Can you remember when it was? When Jesus apparently was too late. Because Lazarus, he was dead. Why didn't you come earlier? He wouldn't have died. But the I am is also the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. 
And when he spoke the word, Lazarus came out of the tomb. You see, what I'm talking about this morning is an almighty, magnificent creator God. A God to whom anything is impossible. And I hear people, they say, oh, I like the good old days. I like it in the past when God used to work. Some people live in the future and they think what it's going to be like tomorrow. But I want to tell you what the Bible says. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever the same. The I am of Abraham and the I am of Daniel. The I am of the little boy with the loaves and the fishes is the I am that is here right now. He's the almighty God that presses himself where people gather together in his name. <coughs> is the I am that will be with Andrean tomorrow in that operating theatre. He's the God that never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's the same God who is able to perform the same miracles and even greater miracles than we can even read about because he's that type of God. He doesn't alter and he doesn't change. It doesn't say, I am the God who was more than enough. He doesn't say, I am the God who will be more enough. He says, I am the God who is El Shaddai. I am present. And what does he do? He comes to a man who is 99 years of age and hasn't got any kids. Married to a 90-year-old woman and they haven't got any kids. Now, let me tell you, you don't need to be a genius to realise that if these are to have a family, that's going to take some miracle. There's a bit of a life in this old boy yet, and I'm not 99. But the thought of any more kids causes me to shake a little bit. I've got six grandkids now. It's marvellous to see our grandkids come and go. <laughs> Something about grandkids, handing them back, you know, it's just absolutely wonderful. We had them all for Christmas. And even, uh, I've got two grandkids that live in Australia, they're, they're Australian, and uh, they came over with their mum and dad, and they brought their mum and dad, and well, there was hundreds of them, it seemed, at our house. <laughs> and when I saw them, first of all, you know, just put my arm around them, kissed them, lovely, it was absolutely great. Did you know, grandkids can find every orifice in your body? <laughs> Popsy, they were pulling me this way, that way, you know, I just... So it was lovely to see them come, but it was lovely to wave goodbye to them when they went. But here's a guy that's 99 years of age and 90 years of age, his wife, they've got no family. And yet the I am speaks. And he says, hey, listen, you're going to have a family. What are you on about? No, 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 not just a normal family. This family is going to be so great, it's going to be more than the dust of the air. Have you ever seen a light shine down? And you look into that light and you see all the little bits of dust. Try and count the pieces of dust. It's an impossibility. And that's what the I am says. He says, I am going to cause you to have a family that's more than you can even number. He says, not only will it be like the dust of the air, it'll be like the stars of the sky. I remember going out one day with a, a, a girlfriend. It wasn't Andrean, actually. It was before I was married. And so we were in a youth camp. Nearly got kicked off the youth camp for staying out so late at night. So you ever do that, young people? It's very naughty. Remember, we were walking out and there were shooting stars everywhere. Absolutely wonderful. 
And uh, I remember I was lying down and looking into the sky and we began to try and count the stars. What a ridiculous thing. One, two, three, four. It's an impossibility to do. You can't do it. And God says, I am the God that's going to cause you to have a family. And that family is going to be so numerous, it's going to be more than the dust of the air and the stars of the sky. And there's a guy, 99. Boy, oh boy, what's the I am saying? He says, hey, not only that, it's going to be more than the sand upon the seashore. Now, if you can't count the dust and you can't count the stars, let me tell you, you can't count the grains of sand either. It's just too many to count. And the I am says to this man, that's the family that you're going to have. And of course, it was an impossibility. An impossibility except it was the I am that was declaring it. And when the I am speaks something, you'd better watch out. You see, today, in every nation of the world, from the north, the south, and the east, and the west, the seed of Abraham is to be found. The Jews and the nation of Israel, on every single country on planet Earth, because when God says something, it comes to pass. So let's join it up, shall we? We're talking about a great God, an I am, an I am that is here, by the Spirit of God this morning. And now we turn over the pages of Scripture into the book of Psalms. And in the book of Psalms, we read in Psalm 91 a most wonderful promise. It says, Because he or she has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. And I will set him on eye. And I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will honour him and I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. In Psalm 91 there is a promise made to those people that put their love towards God sevenfold. Seven is a very significant number. My number plate on my car is 07 significant. I like seven. Seven is the number of completion, the number of like almost perfection. And in Psalm 91, God, the I am, this God that can do anything that is present right now, says, I will. Seven times. When the I am meets with the I will, boy, oh boy, then we've really got something of a dynamism which is absolutely remarkable. You see, I have to be honest with you here and say that the English language is insufficient to interpret what the Bible really says in the original. In the original, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek. And there are certain phrases that we interpret and yet they don't fully contain the full implication of what is written. So, this is an example of that. Let me, let me tell you exactly what I mean. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, we read this. Whatsoever you shall ask in the Father's name, he will do, I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 
That's the interpretation of the Greek. I will in English is the strongest thing we can say. So if I say, I will shake your hand, it means that I'm going to walk across and I will do it. It says, I will shake your hand, I will do it. The only thing is, although I say I will, there are two things that could stop that happening. Number one, you could have refused to shake my hand and then I wouldn't have been able to do it. Or I could have had a heart attack walking from here to there, fell down dead and not been able to fulfil it. So when I say I will and I make a promise I will, although I mean it and it's strong, it is dependent upon my ability to fulfil the things that I say. That's not so with God. When God says, I will do something, it is not dependent on his ability to do it because he is limitless. He's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He's omniscient. He is all-knowing of everything. There is nothing outside the bounds of this great I am, this great creator God, to fulfil his word. So actually, this is what the interpretation of that verse should really be. If you will ask anything in my name, if I don't have it, I will create it. Hmm. Are you with me this morning? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking about a God that is so great that the I am, when he says I will, it's got to happen. There's, there's nothing that can stop it. No heart attack, no refusal, nothing that can come in the way. When the I am says I will, it has got to happen. And I'm preaching faith this morning. I've come to Build your faith up. I want you to go out of here understanding that the I am is speaking something into your life and into the life of this church. And what's he saying? Well, we haven't got time to look at seven things, but let me give you three of them. He says, I will deliver him. He is a delivering God this morning. Satan is an oppressor. He binds people. He robs people. But Jesus is a deliverer. He sets the captives free. Is there anybody here that has been set free for whom the Son sets free? He is free indeed. Come on, get excited. I'm talking about a God that doesn't like us to be bound up in any way at all. But he set us gloriously free on the 25th of March, 1966. This person here knew what it was, even as a young man, to be set free by the amazing grace of God. The I am became the I will become your deliverer. Hallelujah. What a saviour. <laughs> He's a delivering God. Do you need deliverance this morning? You say, John, what are you talking about? We're Christians. We're in a Christian church here. What do you mean? I find that a lot of Christians need deliverance. They need deliverance from sinful habits. There are some things that you need a prayer over your life that is more than just, Lord, bless this person. Sometimes it is, you can pray, you can even fast. And still there is a hold over people's lives that rob them. Certain things that cause them to need a breakthrough. I tell you what the breakthrough is. It needs the I am to say, I will deliver you. It needs that word of authority to come. So the sun sets you free. Do you need to be set free from unhappy memories? Now, 
your memory's there. Mine's going a bit, actually, if I'm honest. But the truth is that there are some things that you remember and those memories can rob you. They can cause you to live in a place of, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. But we can be delivered from unhappy memories this morning. We can have the I am say, I will deliver you. And God can speak an authoritative word into your life that causes you to live in the freedom that the past is past and God has dealt with it once and for all. Perhaps it is that there are worrying problems. I told you I was preaching to myself this morning. Do you know, since Christmas, my wife had never been to the doctors. I can't ever remember her going to the doctors. Apart from once when she broke a foot, when she, she tripped over the hoover because my daughter left the hoover thing out and she went flying, she broke her, she broke her ankle. That's the only time I've ever known her. Never, never been to the doctors. But at, uh, at Christmas time, just before Christmas, of course, she's, she's now been dozens of times. We were six and a half hours at the hospital this last Monday. And yet, I want to tell you this. I can't think there's been one second when either of us have worried. I, 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 I can't... Now, has it been constantly on our thinking? Certainly. I, I can't think that we've had one moment when we've been fearful. The Bible says, let the righteous not fear bad news. You see, the consequence of what happens tomorrow is not dependent upon what a doctor or a surgeon tells me. It's dependent upon the I am, hallelujah. And the fact is that sometimes we can be bogged down because we worry about things. But the I am is here to cause those worries to go, to cause those fears to go, to cause us to come to the place whereby God does his delivering work. Some of you might be in impossible situations. You say, John, you don't realise. My finances are bad. I don't know what's happening with my occupation. Why I've got a domestic situation that I I just can't understand. A son or a daughter that needs God. Uh, Perhaps it is some situation regarding some matter regarding work or family or whatever. Perhaps even a health condition. I don't know. Hey, suddenly the I am is being revealed through the preached word. And he says, I will. I will deliver you. There's healing in the house this morning, Mark. There's healing because the I am is here. He can set the prisoners free. I will deliver him. It says also, the second thing is this, I will answer him. He's not only a delivering God, he's a prayer answering God as well. I'm happy about that. It means that little phrase you've got. What's your little phrase about prayer? Prayer is the power. Prayer is where the power is. It's a true statement, that is. It's absolutely true. Because the I am says, I will answer him when we call upon him. God has always been a prayer answering God. All through the Bible, he says, I will, I will, I will, I will answer you. In Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, it says, Call to me and I will answer you when you pray and show you mighty things of which you don't even know. In Mark's 11, Gospel 11 and verse 24, it says, I say to you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you shall have them. We've already had it. Whatsoever you shall ask in the Father's name, I will give it to you. Can the testimony of millions of people be wrong? Down through the centuries, testimony after testimony after testimony, God has heard and answered prayer. 
Not always as we would want, but he's always answered prayer. I could tell you many, many stories throughout my life of God's grace and God's goodness in this area of God meeting the need. I'll tell you one little story, if I may, regarding prayer. I can't remember whether I've told you this story before. It's one that I tell often because it's a favourite of mine. It concerned a lady that was in my church when we were pastoring in the Midlands in a place called Bedworth. That's a, a coal mining district just outside of Coventry. And that's where I was brought up. Brought up in quite a, a rough area on the outskirts of Coventry. All the kids, all of us, are used to, uh, even when we were at school, we had to go down the mines to see whether that was the career that we were going to take. And many of my mates ended up going down and, and becoming miners. And in that kind of area of, of Coventry, Bedworth, Kersley area, that's where God told us to pioneer a church. And for 13 very happy years, my wife and I, uh, we pioneered a church. And it's still going great. I was there the other week. It's just going absolutely tremendous. And into that church, there was a lady that came. And her name was Isabel. Every church needs an Isabel. You, Mark, need an Isabel. Isabel was a pain in the neck. I mean, I'm... Ah, uh, you can keep Isabel. We need Isabels. I'm telling you, this lady, I mean, she... She came in, she was a, quite an elderly lady, she, she'd never got married, uh, I wonder why. I do know the answer, but I'm not going there. <laughs> and I think that God allowed her to come into the church to keep me humble. I mean, she would always have a comment at the end of the meeting. Pastor, you were too long. Pastor, you were too short. Pastor, the worship was too loud. Pastor, the worship wasn't worship at all. Pastor, but she always had a comment, and it always seemed to be negative. I mean, she was just, when I saw her coming, I, I, I kind of try and get out of the way. It, she was the pain of my life. And one day, she told me what happened to her. This is true, absolutely true. She says, Pastor, the other, the other day, I was walking along the road. It was about seven o'clock at night. The wind was going through the trees. And it was dusk. I could imagine the wolves, oh! as Isabel was walking along. Oh! She said, when suddenly I became aware of somebody walking behind me. She says, I quickened my pace. And as I quickened my pace, whoever it was behind me quickened their pace as well. She must have thought she'd got lucky, I don't know. Because I can't imagine who would chase Isabel down the road. <laughs> she took a little glimpse behind her and saw it was a man. <laughs> she quickened her pace and so the person quickened his pace as well. It became very, very obvious that this guy was about to jump her and rob her. So she turned around, and this is what she said, she turned around... And the man was right there next to her, about to grab her, and she looked him in the eyes. At this point, she did not have time to do a long prayer. She didn't drop to her knees and say, Dear Heavenly Father, right now I'm in a little bit of a mess. Because this man is about to cosh me over the head, rob me. Could you help me out, please? 
because I really do need you. You are my God. You are the I am. She didn't have time for any of that. She turned around and she saw this guy and she went, in the name of Jesus. And you know what happened? This guy looked at her and ran away. <laughs> I think the devil would have ran away. About half an hour later, on a road that ran parallel with the one that Isabel was on, another elderly lady was walking along on her own, was hit down to the floor, a handbag was stolen and it was in the newspaper that following day. The difference was that Isabel knew the power that there was in the name of the Lord Jesus. She knew the power of prayer. Because prayer doesn't necessarily need to be long. Now, can I tell you this as well? That there is no special magical thing about the name of Jesus. I mean, people think Jesus, you know, that's a, a magical name. Rubbish. When I did my first crusade ever in Portugal, loads of people came out and I was shaking everybody's hand. And I went to this one person and says, hello, who are you? And they said, Jesus. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> who are you? Jesus, Jesus. No! That's who saved you. Who are you? Jesus. And I suddenly began to understand there are loads of Jesuses all over the place. It's one of the most commonest names around. Not in this country, but in Southern America and in Portugal and places like that. Loads of people called Jesus. So don't think you can just go in the name of Jesus and then it'll happen. No, Isabel, she didn't just use it as a magical name. She knew the person. She knew the power that there was in calling upon the son of the living God. The I am, his son, Jesus, was right there. Hmm. You see, the story is this. But Isabel became one of my greatest friends. She said, Pastor, I'm going to pray for you every single day. I used to go around her little apartment and we used to sit and pray together. And this old lady began to tell me the stories of answered prayer. This lady began to change in a kind of almost hardness. And she's now with the Lord. But whereas at the start, I thought, what a pain. I stand here today to tell you, she was one of the greatest blessings of any lady that I've ever, ever known. That's why we all need an Isabel. But not least, because Isabel was somebody who knew how to pray. And taught me in some aspects, some lessons of prayer. I will deliver him. I will answer him if he will call upon my name. The I am, the present God, is here this morning and speaks to anyone at all that is sitting here the same message. I will answer you. What is it you have need of? What is it that your heart cries for? 
when there is a meeting of the I am and the I will, then it must take place. And the last little thing is this. In that Psalm 92, of which we picked up three of them, I want to pick up this thing about I will satisfy him with long life, verse 16. How many here are old enough, and I know many of you aren't, but on the front row there might be one or two. <laughs> and on the back in the left-hand corner up there. How many of you remember somebody that used to go, Hoo, I can't get no. <laughs> Satisfaction. <laughs> very, very good interpretation of the Rolling Stones. Any of you remember the Rolling Stones? Before your time. And I will deliver him of lies. Ah, <laughs> oh, the old Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, those lips could <laughs> sink ships. Sink ships. Could, you know, I always think you could stick him to a, a mirror. <laughs> I can't get no hoop. satisfaction. <laughs> The Rolling Stones' famous song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. It's, uh, it's the world song. It's the song that people are singing in Bromley. I Can't Get No Satisfaction. It's the song that's being sung by millions of people around the globe today. The emptied void that cries out, no job, no love, no money, no hope, no satisfaction. And the devil so willingly provides his counterfeit those attractions of drugs into the arm or the pill to be taken. The booze, the escapism, the fame, the fortune, the status, the designer goods, the bigger houses, the faster cars, the multiple partners of sex. And yet still, still, still the song is sung. I can't get no satisfaction. It's been a lifelong problem. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says he's tried it all, he's had it all and yet... Where is the meaning of life itself? There's no profit, there's no purpose, there's no progress, there's no pleasure that brings real meaning to life. Oh, I can't get no satisfaction. In Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 5, after he's tried everything, he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The living know they'll die and the dead, they know nothing at all. And so what's the conclusion of the wise man's journey? Verse 13 of chapter 12 tells us, as they hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. It ain't about getting satisfaction. It's about a God who we live in his presence, the I am, speaking at times into our lives. His promises of I will. <laughs> God and God alone can satisfy us. This morning I urge every single one of us here, whether it's for the first time or whether it's for the hundredth time, to simply taste and see that the Lord is good. is more than enough to meet our needs and to satisfy our longing. Let me draw it to a close. Prince Charles has got very many titles. 
Let me tell you some of his titles, Prince Charles. He's the heir apparent to the crown. His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, the Duke of Cornwall, the Knight of the Garter. He's the Colonel-in-Chief of the Royal Regiment of Wales. He is the Duke of Rothesay and the Knight of the Thistle. The Commander of the Royal Navy is the Great Mother of the Order of Bath. Great, great Mother, Great Master of the Order of Bath. <laughs> Sorry about that, Charles. <laughs> he's the Earl of Chester, he's the Earl of Carrick, he's the Baron of Fenew. He's the Lord of the Isles. And if he was to walk in here, right now, we would address him as Your Royal Highness. I, I wonder what William and Harry call him. I wonder what title they use. Do you think that they might say Dad or Father? Because that's what he is to them. And what I've sought to do this morning is introduce you again to this great God. The God of the universe, the creator. The El Shaddai, the all-bountiful, the God that is more than enough, the all-sufficient one. The I am who says, I will. Actually, I could have introduced God to you in a hundred different rightful titles that we find in the scriptures. And yet in order for us to receive a miracle this morning, I want to bring it right down from there to hear our Father who art in heaven hallowed be your name you see this great God that I've tried to talk about for a few minutes is our Father Abba Daddy and this great wonderful God so presences himself with people like you and me at times like this that our father says, hey, I am your father but I will deliver you and I will answer you and I will satisfy you. This morning, let us witness a meeting together, if we may, of the I am speaking his I will and let him minister his grace, his healing, his peace, his forgiveness, his deliverance, whatever it is to you this day.